0: Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Uh, Thank you all for joining us today, and shout out to everyone who's on the front lines. Shout out to our food and commercial workers, to our people working in healthcare, to our transportation personnel, and to everyone making life easier for those of us who have to stay at home. And shout out to our listeners and friends who are in countries and places that are in the developed, quote unquote, developed world to, adapt to, it's a lot more difficult for you guys to, especially those who have to live on the, the day by, the daily income lifestyle, you know, it's a lot more difficult for, someone to, all of a sudden switch to, a life of staying indoors, where there's no system of uh, welfare, or the government isn't necessarily providing, the protection that's needed to take care of families and people. So, um, my heart is always with you guys and I always hope and pray that, you guys will be able to navigate this time and period. And especially those who are in the communities that are not in the majority, the press communities uh, it's, uh, it's times like this that is even much more difficult for them because people will always use times like this to um, bring out their darker sides so my shout out to all of you and hopefully you know if you're in a position where you can help others be kind to others and you know just reach out and help people, if you can help, you know, if you can, whatever you can do, you know, those of you who are in a position to help, helping doesn't just mean, uh, isn't limited to donating money, you know, if you, you're in a position to donate money, then donate, but there yeah, are also other ways to help, and helping also, involves, spreading good, the, the right news, uh, information, and not giving into conspiracies, that's also helping and trying to prevent discrimination, which is very important, especially in this moment of time. So with that being said, we kick off today's episode with a special guest, a wonderful lady. The guest today is Joy Chukudi, she's a wonderful singer has a fantastic voice, she's an aspiring artist, lives in Los Angeles and aspiring to be on MTB, which is Making the Band. I never knew of that show until I I came across you and I was like wow okay that's a great show and I I hope she makes it you know and we'll talk about that as, as the show goes on and she's many more. But that we'll just start with those, you know. So she's an aspiring artist, great voice, and a fantastic personality. So welcome on the show, Joy. How are you doing Thank
1: today? Thank you so much. I'm good. Thank you for having me, Raphael. Thank you.
0: Oh, it's all my pleasure. The honor is all mine. So can you introduce us to your childhood and city of birth?
1: All right. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, and as far as the city goes that's the state and as far as the city goes I was born in a city called Ikoyi um, and that's yeah that's where I was born and I was born September 29th 1993 and I believe that was a Wednesday yes
0: oh uh Wednesday I'm trying to I can't recall what the, if you were, if, <laughs> you were in Ghana, if you were in Ghana there, there's a name for Wednesday like um I was born on a Monday <laughs> so my Ghanaian name is Kojo.
1: Oh, see, because I was going to ask you, I was like, yeah, I was like, where are you from? I so said you're a Ghanaian.
0: Well, my I have a Ghanaian background, but I I'm, okay. I, was, I was born in Joss.
1: Oh, okay. See, I've been to both Joss and Ghana. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, so, that, so I have a Ghanaian name that never made it to my passport, but... It's there. It doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so a few people know me by that. I have like um I have another nickname, Fernando, and there are places in Nigeria where they know me as Fernando Kojo. Uh, some people online know me by that, uh by that monica, like Fernando Kojo. Wow. Yes. Okay. They don't know me by Rafael or uh Rafael, as they know, as they say it in Benin City. where I, where I yes. Yeah. You have to emphasize. <laughs> Rafael. Oh, wow. So, what what, what was your childhood like in uh, Icoi?
1: I would say, well, I guess let me ask you this. So, you obviously being born in Nigeria, and like, did you grow up there and live there? Yes. Okay. And so, so, like, you're a Nigerian?
0: Yes, uh, when I want to be. (laughs) <laughs> oh my
1: God. that that is a very convenient answer and one that I'm going to start using I am Nigerian when I want to be um, yeah absolutely so I would I would say it was good I think the misconception for me after moving here is that you know my childhood or like growing up in Africa Nigeria was like this weird experience or something that was maybe bad or strange that made me want to move here? Absolutely not. Um, it was really good. And I think sometimes that could be really, you know, and as we progress in our conversation, it's mm-hmm. one of those things, it's one of those things that I had to really come to terms with, you know, that things got maybe not so good, that there were parts of my life that were really, really good. Um, because I think there's a tendency sometimes to say, oh, the story was all bad and it can only have been all bad, you know, for, for me to have any sort of empathy for myself. But there were parts of it that were really good. Um, I just, I went to like, there was this thing called VBS every summer of a, a vacation Bible school. and I went to that and that was really fun. I lived in a great like compound because we lived in flats. And so I lived in a great compound. I would ride my bike and, I really just, I remember fond memories of just being super excited to go just like after school to ride my bike with the neighborhood kids and, you know, like dogs weren't the same experience as living in the West. And so we would just have this this neighborhood dog and we would all just taunt it and it would chase all of us. (laughs) um yeah (laughs)
2: Uh. that was the
1: yeah and so it's not the same as being over here where it's like a a household like pet and everyone like loves it yeah the dog was just outside and we would all just it was huge like doberman and so i don't know what we were doing yeah (laughs) i have no clue what we Uh. could have been Its name was marcus i will never forget that i have no clue what we were doing because everyone could have been really hurt but we yeah. would taunt this dog and it would chase us for just ages and ages and ages. And we would all run. Um, and I just remember loving that, but it was really good. I would say it was good.
0: All right. So you mentioned something about memories. And so that ties into the next question. What What's your favorite memory from your childhood?
1: Wow. Oh my God. Okay. My favorite memory from my childhood Okay, okay. You know what, I have tied, like, I've hung on to this, I will say, like, for a really long time. And it might seem a little ambiguous, um, because I don't know that it's a memory as much as it is a feeling. Um, And so it's sort of this feeling and I've tried to like, you know, capture it in songs or my writing because I write my own songs or writing like, you know, a script or, or something because part of the work I did last year was put out a self-published um, book. It didn't do really what I wanted it to do, but it was called the crown of new earth. Um, and I had to sort of take it off the, the shelf because I had to do more work on it, editing wise. And just, it just wasn't the project I really wanted to put out, but at least, you know, it was finished. But part of what I've always tried to capture in my work is this feeling of, I'll describe it to you. And so it's like my mom, after she would cook food, there would be the smell of food in the house, which is something she doesn't like actually. Um, And so she tries to fight that like smell, but I actually really love it. And so it's the smell of food in the house but I would have been sleeping. And so I wake up to the smell of food in the house and the house is cold. It's, the, like, it's, it's a very specific like, feeling of like waking up. Yeah, of like waking up to a cold house or a cold room in the evening and that smells like food, good food. And so it's like that feeling to me is everything. And I, I felt it very few times and once when I lived, um, when I first moved to California, I thought that it was like one evening and I woke up and I had cooked and I think took like a nap and I woke up and it was really cold was in my apartment that I lived in at the time. Yeah. And I just thought, Oh, oh my God, this is the feeling, this is the feeling, this is the feeling. And I treasured it and I was so happy, but yeah.
0: Mm, so the, the, the home cooked food in a way, the, the aroma brought warmth to your body.
1: Yes, I'm so, oh wow, I've never thought about it that way actually. It's, it's that juxtaposition of like warmth of the food and something home cooked versus the cold surroundings. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then waking up from, you know, just like a nap or something and just entering this new like life or just new consciousness and being welcomed to it. Yeah, it's something that I really, I, I really love.
0: You know, there's this uh, joke we always make, like, you know, when someone says, oh, I can smell,
1: oh, I, I,
0: I <laughs> pick the scent, oh, I pick it. Like, you know, when, when I was in Patakot, you know, and the boys will always, like, contribute to the this, this cooking, because, you know, like, we used to have a lot of boys, boys could cook, cook, and the boys could cook, yes. cook. We'll bring yeah. together, somebody will contribute to the rice, someone contributes Meat this one contributes to, uh, some other ingredients, everything.
1: Everything, you yeah. this
0: one guy who never contributed anything except the eating. Go for it. Sometimes we'll tr- silently try and make the bring the ingredients <laughs> together to make sure he doesn't know, but all of a sudden, it's like as soon as the food is to, cooked,
1: and to we our food now, we've
0: dished. We're like, okay, shh, don't say anything, man. Don't say anything. Well. His, uh, his name, I, I don't know if that was his real name, but everybody, his name, wait, he went by Baba. He was like, oh, Baba, have you seen Baba? No, I haven't seen Baba. Okay.
1: All oh, right, my God. The game, and
0: then just as soon as, you know, you're about to start dishing from the pot, da da someone's head will just peek through the door. Hey! I was a, the snacks, bro. Egg. I picked the <laughs> scent for like one mile away. <laughs> mm, <it> smells <laughs> so good. What, what you guys cook today? I said, this guy. This guy <laughs> you, there's no way you can escape. <laughs> you can't escape and, and then you like oh, oh you no know, you know, there, there was there was so much love in this in the I feel I smell the love in the food. The love was in the oh food. My God. We, we, we are, we're also angry and full of uh, we're just pissed that it never made sense to <laughs> us that you know you know there was so much love that went into the ingredients because everybody contributed out of their heart. There was no,
1: of course, was of forced course, forced to
0: contribute to making that meal. So yeah, it, the love was really in, went into the pot. <laughs>
1: yes, so that yes. Went,
0: there was a lot of warmth that went into making that meal. That it actually came out smelling good. <laughs> uh, not, well, yes! That he just showed up. So when he's talking about, oh, I, mm, I can smell the love. I can smell the love. Mm, the love. We were like, man, we just, oh. you yeah. know. But one day we took a revenge on him. Though we did take a revenge on him because you know we had this in between the the the. It looked like the the, the between. The, you could go through the kitchen to like a, like a back door between the kitchen and. Like a back entrance, like so. There's a passageway. So we told him, "Like, hey man, go through there to get something." So he went, and as soon as he got into the passageway, we locked the the kitchen door and locked the. Uh, the Ah, oh my! Hey, man, the door is locked. I'm like, yeah, we start eating.
1: (laughs) Oh my god! Wow! (laughs) Wow! You
0: don't don't contribute. You don't bring anything. Yeah, we clean clean the whole pot. Ah uh, we, we were like, yeah, we we just had to, <laughs>
1: it's true, he uh, didn't put anything,
0: yeah, but it, it took it took years later for me to start you know to for it to make sense that we you know we we, we actually had love in the in the making of the meal, it made sense what of he was course. saying, he could smell of the love. You know, but now like you know now that you're talking about the cold room and you know the warmth,' like oh okay, well, yeah, he, of he, course. he made some point, but yeah, it, it, you know, well, he's still there. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, so he um, also attended boarding school early in life. Did you have any I memories did. from um, your boarding school experience?
1: Plenty. Um, I started boarding school when I was nine. Um, yeah, I actually remember the first day that I went to boarding school. I went to boarding school from my aunt's wedding. I attended her wedding and right after her wedding was over, we went to the reception and I stayed for like, I don't know, 20 minutes at the reception. And then I had to leave to go straight to like school because I should have gone to school earlier that day, like, because they drop everybody off really early in the morning. But then I had to be like at a wedding and everything. And I just remember being so upset that everybody got to stay and enjoy this wedding. And then I had to like leave and, you know, but anyway, I had very vivid experiences of like being in boarding school. Um, and I went to two different boarding schools. The first boarding school I went to actually was in, um, actually they were both in, I, I think, ocean states, if I'm being correct now, I'm not sure. Um, but Ibajo is in ocean state, if I'm being correct. I think. I'm not sure anymore.
0: Um, uh, if it's a bad one, bad one is Ohio State.
1: Ohio State, okay. Ohio State. Um, but the first one I went to was in, um, it was Faith Academy. And like they're both associated with the churches. And then the second one I went to was Life International. And so, but the first one was pretty good. I went there for two years um, and it just was a regular boarding school experience but the second one was sort of a i think a more traditional I guess not traditional but a more stereotypical boarding experience of maybe like being bullied and like the not great things that happen with people in boarding schools like the horror stories you hear that was more so my second experience but my first experience which happened ironically when i was younger was pretty good Oh, yeah, so,
0: how did you navigate the, the bad experiences in boarding school?
1: Uh, navigating the bad experiences in boarding school. Um, wow. You know, I think I've had so much time as I've gotten older to think about this. And I've really been fortunate. That's part of like the blessing, I think, of moving to America is to be in therapy and to kind of see things from a different perspective. Because, like, before I moved to America, I would have never, ever considered anything like therapy. And I would have have never thought of, you know, something like depression or, like, post-traumatic stress disorder or anything like that. I would have never taken medication for any of these kind of things. Um, But a lot of, like, really... Not great things is like how I want to put them happened in that second boarding school, and they happened when I was really young because I went to that school from when I was 11 to when I was 13. Um, and I went to that school with people who were a lot older because when I was in seventh grade, for example, I was nine, and even for Nigeria, that's pretty young, yes. Um, yeah, because a lot of people sort of like, oh, well, you're from Nigeria. Like, they start school early. That's still pretty young for, like, you know, for JS1 to be nine and JS1 is still pretty young. Um, And so I, in that second school, that experience, how I navigated that, unfortunately, was just to think it was normal. Because I was so young, all the, like, things that were happening, like, I had, like, one of the crazy experiences I had once. I had a bunch of boys they like all took me into like a bathroom and this is gonna sound so crazy but they all started like the, the way Americans describe it, it's like they hugged like loogies at me but it's like Nigerians how those days like kata like you know kata from like your truth you know like they were clearing their truth and they were spitting on me basically wow
0: um
1: yeah and so that's how we can describe it in Nigeria. But in America, they will say, you know, oh, they were hacking like loogies at me. But in Nigeria, you say, you know, they were clearing their shirt and, you know, spitting on me. Um, that's his. And Yes. It's that, that kind of thing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And other, and there were so many other kind of things like that, but just so many, so many, so many bad things. And, and these were senior
0: students, right?
1: You know, you know, the funny thing is like, some of these were senior students and a lot of them were my mates.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Because you were much But team.
1: because, exactly, because, yeah. like, I was much younger, it was, like, it was so, you know, they were older than me. Mm-hmm. And the school that I, the school I went to was a school where, like, a lot of the parents or people who, you know, like you now, for example, you're here. Let's say you want, you know, your children to have a Nigerian experience. You'll send them to that school because yes. the school was like Americanized. Yes. You know, and so at least your children will have a an Nigerian and a Nigerian experience in an Americanized context. Mm-hmm. You know? And then they will also train your children to have like like to prepare for the SATs. That way your children can come back.
0: Yeah.
1: And so like Yeah, they're over there, they're learning about Nigeria, in Nigeria, but they're also learning to take the SATs so they can come here and do college. And so a lot of the kids had, like, very, like, they had grown up very, very fast already, and they had all these American ideas or British ideas, British concepts, and and they were also a lot older. And so they were just exposed to so many other different things. And the only way that my brain at that age could, like, just figure anything out was just to just say this is normal, you know, this happens to other people, mm. and it ha- was happening to some other, you know, kids. But the only difference is like those kids, like when they told their parents. Like I remember this one kid. Um, we all went to, cause in Nigeria this place, Silverbird Cinemas. Yes. Um, in Lagos, yes. Yeah, Silverbird in Lagos. It was mid-term break. We all went to Silverbird. Um, and in Silverbird they um. They went and I don't know what happened to us, but in the bathroom, somewhere, they were disturbing the boy. They were just disturbing him. And he was, enough it was enough for him. And so he told his mom about everything that had been going on in school. And his mom, she, she called the principal. I don't even know how she managed to do all of this, but she called the principal. And, and as a kid, like, you know, for me, for me, it was also normal. And I had such a sense of, I mean now i can see this powerlessness of like oh nothing can happen it's always going to be this way but back then i was just like oh it's it's normal you know Mm -hmm. but so i couldn't even understand how his mom called the principal you know but his mom called the principal and then the boy who was like you know terrorizing her son got expelled by the time we got back from midterm break um But me, when I told my mom, like, oh, one or two things is happening, and it wasn't even one or two things, it was so much. When I told her, um, it wasn't the same sort of response. You know, no one got kicked out, no one. The most that ever happened was, I remember one, I was walking kind of in a hallway. I was walking in a hallway. This one kid was so upset. He was just so, so upset. And he was, like, having a tantrum, and I was walking down this hallway, and he was, like, storming next to me, and he just punched me in the eye. Wow. Yeah. And my eye just, and I, we were, like, in a public place. We were in a public place. And I think that he felt like he was able to do that because, like, everyone did stuff like that to me, and everyone knew about it. And so he was angry about something else. He wasn't angry at me, but he just felt like that was something. You know, he could take yeah. it out on me. God. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like there, and that kind of thing. I was just in the, I guess, right place at the wrong time, or wrong place at the right. I don't even know. But the, the worst that happened is because my eye, like, was swollen. My eye, like, just, like, I looked battered. And the worst thing that happened to that kid, because I mean, my eye was literally swollen. The worst thing that happened to him, they told him he couldn't go to the prom. And so that's what happened. You know, I don't even know if my mom found out about that, but they just told him, oh, he can't go to the prom. And that was it. But he didn't get expelled. He didn't get suspended. I guess he got what you would consider in America like um, an in-school suspension or something like that yeah, yeah.
0: Even, even by nigerian standards that 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 was still uh it's just a suspension
1: like, yeah yeah
0: basic suspension yeah because yeah because you, a lot of, from just the the little that you've mentioned it's you know i bought i attended both private and public schools and
2: mm-hmm. on, on the,
0: in on the private side when i started there looking back now there are things that i so, like you know, I was lucky for the main part when I started because I was a day student, I wasn't a boarding student, but the school had mm. boarding, um they also had boarding students, and we had the horror story. yeah,
1: yeah
0: we, you know there was a guy who I remember it was like he had done so much and it got to the extreme, like one of the junior students had was so fed up that that guy had to like. Finally, write a letter or something, and then the parent finally showed up and believed, or the parent came for an impromptu visit, and the boy just let loose and told yeah. him. Because yeah. we, we had seen this boy lining kids, telling kids to go lie down in the trash. They students uh-huh. we have,
2: knew uh-huh. about that,
0: and we saw him. Exactly. He, he was a dictator, he was a tyrant
1: exactly and,
0: away, and that was the only stuff we knew that we saw with our eyes and the, the stuff yeah yeah yep. Without people even seeing it was a lot worse than that and by the time yep. the the, the, the they now called um the the the, the impromptu the, the the explosion happened of the revelation of his abuses then it was like oh people are lying up to come confess oh he did this to me he did this to me Wipe me and wipe me and wipe me and just be beating me and oh, that, and then now the vice principal got so mad and started. It, it literally turned to a fighting match between the vice principal and this guy who had been beating and abusing students for for months. I mean, and it was like so nobody knew about this or you all just decided to look away while he had been because he beat for years he was in his final year when they decided yeah. to, so they punished him. They beat him for like almost three days straight, they were just beating him, beating him and beating him and beating him and beating him, which in a way was still not a solution. No. And after all the beatings, then they expelled him. And then he went to another private school.
1: Exactly. <laughs> to go and do the same thing he, now, but maybe his it
0: worked. His family had money. He came from a wealthy family in the first place. Yeah.
1: It, that's it, it, another that's thing too.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thing is that he didn't really pick on the wealthy kids. He picked on the Poorer kids. It's yes, that. Like, like, like looking back now, as started putting two and two. So it was until the day he picked on a wealthy kid that his sins started becoming public.
1: You That's know what is? Yes, well, that is he, the same thing he, that he, happened. The
0: poor kids. It, it was okay. No, no. the yeah, poor kids didn't have anybody who would come make a lot of noise. That
1: that them. is the same situation that happened because. At Silverbird, the person, I will not forget his name. His name was Flaring. His his mom, you, you know, because, you know, they lived when I was younger. People who were wealthy to me, they were people who's ha- who had upstairs and downstairs in their house. And so that's what I considered, like, wealthy. Yeah. So his mom, she, you know, and yeah, it's like, oh, if you have upstairs and downstairs in your house, you have money, else. And so it's yeah. like,
0: that's a- you know. <laughs> that's a- so it's <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it's like yeah you sounds absolutely non but um but yeah like this this kid and like you know his friends and his cohorts, like they picked on like on people who were who had like disabilities, like I remember there was a kid who had like a really bad like lazy eye, and yes. they picked up oh, do- yes. who who had like disabilities or people who have like money and you could somehow tell they didn't have money maybe when their parents dropped them off the type of card that they had or something like that they picked on people like that but with this one kid falari like when they picked on like his mom like she was pretty you know she was pretty well to do and when they picked on him like yeah as soon as they picked on him it was over That's because it. his mom his mom made a direct phone call and i remember like the kid just never came back to school and they were like, oh yeah, because he messed with this, you know, and I was like, I was there. I don't even know what happened, but I was there when it happened. Like, I don't even know what happened, but I was there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? I mean, even and in a f- public
0: school, um, similar happened too. You, 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 you messed with the wrong person and all we, 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 cause by the time I was in my final year of public school, the military was still in power. And I remember, the touch to someone who was always quiet didn't have the didn't give the impression like he or she had money and one of these people messed with them and then all we saw was the person left school and then one soldier came back the soldier do <laughs> you know what that meant when a soldier shows up to your school they point at the person next thing you see the guy doing frog jumps and for the audience who's not aware of what frog jump is you might want to look it up if you, if, you want, if you want to do physical exercises to walk your ties, uh yeah. Fra- if Fra- you have a large living room right now that is a stay-at-home period, put your hold your ears, get down, squat. Yeah, by the time you do frog jumps for like five minutes, yeah, your ties your ties are on fire. But the start with kids, soldier and the soldier has a whip and it'll be whipping you. They take you to the equivalent of a football field for like two hours. Take that kid, mm-hmm. like, oh, you want to bully people, but yeah, the soldier is going to be there with you for two hours. You, oh, <laughs> somebody's kid, like, well, oh, there are guys messing with people's kids for <laughs> for years. Nobody, yeah, touched, but they didn't touch one soldier's kid or someone connected to a soldier. Oh, yeah, yeah, bang, that guy is just gonna release one soldier. Go discipline that, go that person, go discipline that person. And then, oh, yeah, I would just you know this person had connections, and then, yeah, yeah, that, that's how, yeah. You see that person has been put in the pocket or like yeah touch not this person that's the message yeah yeah that's yeah so that that's how we got to learn uh, about connections without really learning about connections
1: yeah
0: yep. the messaging began in a way yeah yeah so yeah for, so for those of us who didn't have that power it it, it, it still didn't help because we we saw it as you know if you didn't have the the power to get someone in your family to step up then it's either you took on the bully yourself yes and you know based on the movies karate kid you know yeah Uh, You fight, and I I tried to do my own fights once in a while. I lost a bunch of them.
1: Me, I I tried, I tried, and I I lost all of them, but yeah.
0: I I probably won one or two that punch the person and take off. (laughs) 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 Uh, If you can't catch me, I won. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but
1: I, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, well uh we we, we we can do a whole i th- I think I will have to do a whole episode one day on this on on on, on
1: the- I think so on just like bullying and like African like boarding schools or African systems because I think i was, i mean, I could go on and on because you've mentioned this, and I've definitely mentioned this' because I've seen it people see it, yeah, you know people kind of like hear people see it, but no one says anything. These people normalize, see they it. normalize it.: Oh my God, the day students see it, the boarding students definitely huh? see it because they know because they're living there with you. I mean, these kids they, they have people they have other kids washing their clothes for them, huh? they have kids doing their homework for them, because they have kids like you, exact take all that uh, provisions, everything. I would have people tell me, my mates, my mates who did not even pass me, never they passed me three months or four months in age. I'll be walking. They'll just tell me to kneel down on the spot. Yeah. But because of my mind was so conditioned, I didn't even matter if you passed me only one month in age. i would just kneel down there. And so now I'm late for class and the class is just there. And so she started looking at me like, who said you should kneel down here? And it's like, oh, that person. And it's like, what's wrong with you? Stand up and enter the class I and it's like, you know, and so the teachers don't even understand what's going on. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's wild. It's really wild. I don't
0: know. I think some, even the teachers knew, but the teachers exactly. weren't even equipped. I, I, I would say the system doesn't even equip teachers to properly handle those situations. Because teachers only knew how to handle situations by either flogging or just shouting.
1: Exactly. And as that's how
0: the teacher walks away. What happens? The person is. It still continues. So and yeah.
1: sometimes they shout at the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. Because
2: yeah.
1: if if you're kneeling down there, if you're kneeling down there because your mate told you to kneel down, they'll now be shouting at you and tell you you don't have sense. Your yeah. mate told yeah. you to kneel down, you two you, it, you it, now it, kneel then. down there. You don't have sense. Exactly. And so they're shouting at you now. they'll start big into the class. You don't have sense. It, you know, instead of trying to question. Why your mates told you to kneel down in the first place, or how this nonsense started, or like what's been, you know, and so it's like now you, you, you know, the whole thing has just, they have more power now, you know.
0: Yeah. And so because, it's yeah, so Yeah, because it created more ammunition for yes. the bullying to to use to oppress the victim. Because first thing they said was, "Are you stupid? Why?" So if they hey. tell you jump into fire you're going to jump into fight. Exactly,
1: in exactly.
0: Always used. and for
1: Exactly. People,
0: like, they said that to me too. Like, you know, I, I, I was lucky. Like, I, I didn't get, I didn't fall for the, like, kneeling down. Like, if you told me to kneel down, i say, shut up, <laughs> you kneel down. Like, obviously, i say that, and get punched. <laughs> you know, I'd end up with, like, being punched or, like, being slapped. And then i ah hold my face. And then the teacher comes, and like, well, what happened to you? I said, oh, this guy told me to kneel down. I refused. And then I, he slapped me. Then an Instagram to say why do you slap him? Then was like, why do you say shut up to the person that told you to kneel down? Then I'm the one that's still exactly. attacking. You know? I exactly. Mean, exactly. I
1: got, exactly.
0: <laughs> so I got uh, punched or kicked, and then the, the first day that I I still remember the first day that I, I I stood up to my bully, and the bully like slapped me, and I said how dare you slap me? So I slapped the bully back. I like, put all my like all the years that I've been like, nine or, nine years old, but all the years like I've been bullied and I just like oh pow slap the guy back. Oh the guy was so short, started crying. This guy flogged me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's been bullying everybody in the class. <laughs> 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 but it's just like why would why, why, you slap him? And she flogged me like, flogging me. I was like, what the I, I mess, the messaging just went wrong after that. So after that, I just didn't have
1: the exactly for,
0: like <laughs> two years.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: Because I thought I, I thought that I, I was going to be pumped, or like they were going like, "Good job, good job, you stood up to this guy who has been bullying you all this time." Instead of running up to me, like, "Oh, he slapped me, he slapped me, or he kicked me, or something," and then I got f- flogged for standing up to my bully. Yeah. Looking back now, I was like, you know, the teacher, that teacher just sends the wrong message. To, it does. Because you guys will say, "Stand up to the bully." Okay, now the person stands up to the bully, then pow. Well, why you stand up to the bully? Okay, then what do yeah. you have to do? That you take care of the, the problem, you won't take care of the problem. No. And then people will now be blaming. But that's the problem when the society is always like blame the victim. Everything is the victim's fault. The victim's yeah. Fault. That's all they know, the victim's fault. And yeah. that's why I said the teachers were never equipped because all they told the teachers is go to the class and teach. That's your job. hmm. Class and teach. And nothing else should happen in the class and all this is still tied back to when the military took over and started messing with the whole infrastructure and the whole system of the 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 whole when when they just destroyed the whole education system in
1: nigeria
0: because wow like you can look all the way back to like the 60s 70s when education was still a lot more it was still something and then with all the cool taking place lack of invest investments in education and all that you can start saying all the stories how it started changing, and then it became you don't pay the teachers, and teachers are strikes on strikes on strikes. Who's going to have time to like? I want take care of who, who wants to teach? Who who has time? Like oh, I, the kids are fighting. That, that my problem. <laughs> Your father did not train you. Your mother did not train you. So it it Without with home training, what the problem on me? Government will not pay. Me <laughs> I'm, the one I'm training you. i come here and let me flog you. Oh, then. Everything, everything just goes in one horrible circle. Yeah. Yeah. Circle. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, so it's unfortunate. But, you know, now it's paying, it's paying off wrongly because all those kids turn out to be the leaders in the future. And then I'll start, oh, we have bad leadership. But how did you train them? How did you bring them up? Because they went through a wrong system, and then people are like, "Oh, but Af- Africa has uh, like, Nigeria. We have bad leaders. Where, 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 what did you? How did you bring them up? What exactly you said for them when they were kids?
1: Exactly. What
0: you tell them was the right thing to do. You told exactly. them to exactly. People, and then when they become leader, when they have, they now have the tools of authority, the tools to oppress the whole community. They do it
1: on a large scale.
0: Exactly, because you told them it was okay. Yeah. when they were younger yeah their classmates? yeah then when they become you they not have the larger machinery to hold the yeah and then but if you look at all the people doing it at state level look at their behavior when they were children what were they doing you can train same them.
1: thing yeah
0: so yeah anyway we, we, we can spend all day but let's move on
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh you arrived in the united states as a teenager yes and what was adjusting to life like for you and you arrived in a southern state so did the weather make adaptation easier for you so it's two questions
1: okay yeah um let's see i was very ex i, I didn't the weather did not matter to me because i was very excited to like see snow and so i didn't care if it was hot or cold or anything i just wanted to see snow like I remember before I moved here in 2008 of September and before I moved here yeah before I moved here um, I had come the year before for Christmas in 2007 to visit um, and that Christmas I went to New York and that's the first time I'd ever seen snow in my life um, oh, what and actually it was it was so good it was so so good because i remember like i used to want so many things when i was younger and my mom she really tried to give them to me like i remember i think once we went all the way to joss actually because i i, I think like people said it used to snow in joss and, and it, so it's, it's like not, i think um
0: uh, 70s 60s or, no, early 70s or 60s late 60s it snowed once
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. And, um, during my and time, so, I that, that that I had when I was born.
1: Yeah. Wow. And so she, like, took me to Joss because it was like, I mean, she knew people there, and she, I'm sure she was just going to visit. Um, but the whole idea was, like, and I really wanted to see snow. And she was like, oh, it has snowed in Joss before, so if you want to go with me. And so I did, but it never obviously did snow but when I saw snow for the first time, it was really nice. So the weather, when I moved here was just, um, yeah, it didn't really matter much to me, but it definitely helps that it was warmer. I think, um, when I first moved to America, like that helped, you know, it, it helped to live in a Southern state. Um, what else? Let's see. But also, yeah, living in a Southern state, there's, and this is like, this is going to be, yep, this is perfect to talk about with you. There's a lot of things that I wasn't prepared for moving to America. Okay. And there's a, there's a lot of things that, like, no one kind of, and this is not like an excuse of blaming anyone, but there are a lot of things that I was prepared for, and there are a lot of things I wasn't prepared for, um, especially because I moved here in 2008. And so, like, right after I moved here, like two months later Obama became president and I was seeing a lot of like weird dynamics that I had never really seen before. And so I moved.
0: Dynamics like what?
1: Well, I never really experienced racism. Yeah. And, you know, and I, again, I moved to like, Georgia, of all the places in the country.
0: Wayne, in Georgia?
1: Uh, I moved to a small, I don't know if it's a small town, but um, I moved to a county called Grayson County, um, and I went to school in a county called Loganville County. Um, and fun, well, fun fact, I was the only Black person in my senior class. Oh, wow. Wow.
2: Um,
1: yeah, I was the only black person in my junior class. And then I was the only black person in my senior class. So for two years, I was the only black person with like, those group of people. It was a small private school and there were like 24 people in my senior class. And I was the only black person. Um, and I think in the junior class, so when I was a junior and you know she was a sophomore and like so like every year that I was there, there was one black person in the senior class one black person in the junior class, one black person in the sophomore class, one black person in the freshman class. There were just like one black person and wow. the, yeah, the senior and the freshman, I think they were siblings. Yeah. And their mom was like a doctor in the town. And then the girl who was in the sophomore, because she was a year under me when I was a junior, we went to the same church. Um, Yeah. And so it's like, we kind of all knew each other and so it was, it was small, but it wasn't, I I mean, I guess it was small. Um, yeah. But it was just, I, there were things I'd never really experienced before that I was experiencing for the first time. The only time I'd ever seen racism sort of in action was when I went to South Africa on a school trip. Um, Years, years ago, when I was in that boarding school that wasn't so good, um, we had not been allowed to go into a store because they said it was closed, even though it was like date time. Oh. Yeah, we weren't allowed to go into the store. But then after, you know, we all sort of went back into the bus, we saw people going into the store. And so they had to explain to us like our... You know teachers and guides, oh, the reason why you were not able to go to the store was because of you know racism and apartheid and like this and that, and yeah but i was at that time I think I was like eleven or twelve i think i' I was twelve, yeah, this was the the, the Two thousand and I want to say two thousand and six. Yeah, I want to say two thousand
0: and South Africa.
1: Um, I want to say Cape Town. Okay, like Cape, yeah, I want to say Cape Town. Yeah. And so it was 2006 in Cape Town and that happened and that, but I didn't really, it didn't really make sense to me.
2: Yeah. And
1: then at some point after the, like, either after or before the trip, we tried to watch Roots, um, but that didn't make sense to me. So like there was kind of an exposure to what racism meant and but it didn't, there was no reason for me to try to understand it because they weren't testing us about it in, like, Nigeria. Like, they weren't asking us questions about it, you know, for, like, Yek or anything like that. Like, nobody was, it didn't matter. It, I mean, it matters here and it matters in the history of the world. But as far as, like, a kid who's trying to get through, like you know the equivalent of a history test it didn't matter and it didn't matter you know when i was walking down the street because nobody was looking at me you know a police officer in nigeria is trying to collect something from you they're not, they're not looking at you to shoot you because you know of the color of your skin or something like that True. and so
0: i mean but, yeah as a as, uh, I mean, nigerian as someone who grew up in nigeria i don't know if with you going to school in lagos uh, 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 I still went to school in the bad though, but my, my when it comes to racism, what I had in the books was more like Martin Luther King, you know, fought for civil rights and after he died, they passed the Civil Rights Act and kind of racism was
1: solved. That's exactly with, with exactly, that. and you know, even yeah. even the Martin Luther King says, like, I don't. I'm telling you, like, I don't know if it's because of the teachers that we have. I, I don't even want to blame them. Because maybe it's just me said that I did not read. But I did not hear about Martin Luther King until I came here. And uh, so, that, I'm we, telling we,
0: you... In we had big Martin Luther King. Uh, uh, um, I had a dream speech. They used to, like, actually force us to, like, master that speech. To, like, watch yeah. it. And, like, if you could be the kid who could, like say the whole speech and just come it, that's all it just meant to us really it didn't yeah mean, it had nothing nothing more more than that and then like if you said the n-word uh, the or for the southern african version yeah then uh the africans version in south africa that was it that's racism we didn't know
1: yeah
0: that, but and it will take so years later i realized that i faced racism in nigeria actually but didn't see. Yeah.
1: Speaking but, of speaking of speaking of Ghana, actually.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that what racism was other than because the, it was the, the textbook version that we were giving said mm-hmm. racism died in the sixties. Yeah. It never so racism never happened in the British Empire. Racism never happened in South America. Racism never happened in other places. That's, Can you imagine black and white? That's why it was so black and white for us. That's why most of us... Yeah. Our, come to america with a certain mindset of
1: expectation like, yeah where,
0: like why are black people why are black people complaining why black people exactly
1: like,
0: everything is you guys have it easy You know you
1: exactly
0: good then we now become surprised like, oh. you, you
1: see the real thing yeah when you come yeah. like for us speaking of ghana like i went on all these trips and i was learning of like you know Kwame, you know, Unkrumah, and I was going to all these places learning about, like, Nelson Mandela. Like, that's what we were learning about. Like, we were learning of all these people who were fighting for things, like, in Africa. Like, people who were doing, like, incredible things, like, there. Um, And so, that's the stuff that, like, I was learning about, you know, the whole time. And so, by the time I came here... And I think one of my very first experience I didn't even know about the N-word. I did not know about it at all.
2: Wow. And
1: so when I, yeah, no. When I first went to, in high school actually, um, I used to have kids, this one kid in particular, he used to call me the N-word. Um, like he used to just say like, you know, my, and he would say it. Um, and I thought it was like a compliment. And so I, like I let him say it and I would like, you know, and, and everybody else kind of knew what it meant. And so like, they were all kind of like fascinated that I was letting him like do it. And oh. so it's like, but I I didn't know what it meant. So I let him say it. I was like, you know, sure, whatever. Like I just let him say it, like, and he said it and he, you know, whatever. And and it was just like fine. Um, but I'm not, like one of the things that happened at that school was they had like a mock election, like before the real election.
2: Yeah.
1: And so this was like in October or something. And Obama like lost in my school by a landslide. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. Which I don't think really means, I mean, I can try to make all this meaning of it or whatever, but I just, to me it was very, I, I had a kid's brain at the time. And I could have tried to make all this meaning of it but it was just very telling, you know, even at that time I was like, Oh, like this just doesn't seem balanced at all. I feel like the majority of people here just don't really want him to be president for some reason. Um, and I just remember thinking like, Oh, okay, well, whatever that means, means what, what, you know, and then he became president and it was such a big deal and it was just And I just, I didn't understand the magnitude of it. Mm. I just didn't understand the magnitude of it. I do now. Um, But then I think on YouTube, I saw like a clip of Oprah explaining why she didn't like the N word or something like that. And then from then on, I was like, you can't call me this anymore. Um, Yeah, and that's how like, I just bit by bit by bit, I started learning like black history. Yes. Um, Yeah, because even at school, the school I went to, we weren't being like taught Black history. Um,
0: I think most American schools teach Black history, except if if you have like a Black professor or or like uh, HBCUs.
1: Yeah. Well, the college I went to, the college I went to, the colleges I went to. There was a lot of opportunity to learn about Black history, but the high school I went to, no. no, 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 like it was just the high school I went to. Just there was no, it was a small like Christian high school, and there was no that, like. That's what teaching. I
0: mean. The, the, high, the, the when I say schools, the high schools, the high school, yeah, the school system. That's what I mean by the school system.
1: Yeah. And so, and then on MLK day, like when everything was like on TV about him, then I learned more about that. Like the very next year that I was in America for the first time, I was like, oh, okay, this is something else I didn't know. And and so bit by bit, I learned about that and I was just piecing together, you know, what it meant to be black because, you know, for the first time ever, I'd gone from being a Nigerian person to being a black person. Mm -hmm. Um, and those can be two very different things from being an African person to being a black person, because Mm -hmm. now you've gone from having a cultural identity, you know, to having like an ethnic identity or having like almost, I don't even know how to, or you've gone from, I just, it's, it's a weird, like, it's a weird way to put it. It's a weird way to put it, but you've gone from having one identity to having another one, and that other one has been stigmatized for a really, really, really long time. Um,
0: The truth is that both identities are stigmatized.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, because they will tell you to go home in a minute. Like, you know, they will say in a minute, like, once they hear, like, my last name, like, oh, you need to do – like, what are you – you need to do – and I'm just like – and so, because before I changed my name, like when my transition started, um, <clears throat> like, yeah, that was a whole process as well. And it's like,
0: all right, what is this? We'll come to that. We'll come okay.
1: to that. Okay, yeah.
0: So, from, uh, I guess, with the realizations, well, you know, now that you've begun to identify as a black person, you're now seeing the picture of, of, of you coming to the realization and the, the, you, you've been awakening aw- 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 now you know from the person who you weren't so I, i'll say this is the first stage of being awakened right from Yes. who you like oh this because i considered being in a bubble like when i arrived there i thought i knew a lot, a lot of stuff because I, I used to be buried in foreign affairs and then so I knew a little bit,
2: <laughs> but then
0: I arrived there and I was like, wow, the, the you know the whole racism picture I had was completely not was way, way, way off. And then yeah. I started I, but I was still in my Nigerian bubble to a large extent for a while. Yeah, me too. Yes, and yes. I'd like consciously removed myself out of that bubble. yeah. So with that in mind, was that did that play a role in why you were able to move to college out of state? Uh, did you uh, wait? You first went to college at um, Valdosta. Where, where was that?
1: It's, um, I believe, it's South Georgia. Okay, so but you it's
0: first went to college in Georgia first.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Okay. So let's let's start with Valdosta.
1: Um, you know, actually, and this speaks to what we're talking about as well. Okay. Because my first experience of being in America. I had always been around a lot of white people Uh because the town I lived in had a lot of white people. The school I went to was a small school with mostly white people in it. And so when I went to Valdosta, that was the first time I had been around so many black people. Um, And so Mm -hmm. that was different as well. Um, and I don't, and I'm, I'm really glad that that happened because it took an adjustment and I learned a lot of things because there were so many things that I had to learn the very hard way. So many, like, I, had, I just had so many, I was just talking to like a friend about this. I had so many crazy ideas. And I was like, I, was, I started college when I was 16. And so like I started college, like, I was 16 and then a couple months later I turned 17. And so I just, I was so, I thought I knew everything and I was so brash and I was just saying like, I had all all these opinions about slavery and this and that. And, you know, I was Kanye West before Kanye West. And so I really was. And so to have all these people who, you know, had lived the black experience from their first day on earth, to have them tell me, absolutely not. That's not the way it is. You're not going to say that. Like, you have to rethink that. Like, you can't say that out loud. You can't even think that in your head. I'm sorry to let you, you know, to have people kind of confront me was really good. But then to also have people be my friend, you know, because it would have been really kind of maybe a little weird if all the black people I was meeting was just like confronting me and being like, you know, no, 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 no. But to have like, you know, people who were black be my friend and to say like, oh, you know, let's have fun. We love you. Like that was good for me as well, because overwhelmingly all the narratives of black people I was getting was from a white perspective.
0: Thank you. That's that's very important to come to our reality. You know?
1: Yeah, because yeah. like every narrative I was getting of black people was from like a white perspective or like from school or something. And, you know, no one is sitting me down at school in high school and saying, this is what you should think of black people. But it's like it's, it's social cues or like little conversations, little things like thing kind of like it's like um, like socialization, like the way that you pick up on learning, like how kids learn. Um, and again, I was 14 when I moved here, so there was so much to learn. And mm-hmm. for, the first two ye- yeah, for the first two years, I was socialized by mostly white people, um, or mostly around white people. I lived with my cousins, like, you know, in an African home, you know, around black people as well. And so they had like black friends and they had black people coming over, but I didn't go to the same school as them. I didn't hang out with their friends. And so it's like I'm mostly socialized by white people. And so when I'm seeing like their like black friends or like black people who like they're around, I'm seeing it from a different perspective. And so it was very important for me to like go to college and make my own friends and do like, you know, just have my own learned experiences. Because even like for the first two years, when I would go to church, I went to a Nigerian church so it's kind of like yeah or the first year at least it's kind of like Mm -hmm. exactly it's kind of like what you said I was still in that bubble so I went to a Nigerian church I had a Nigerian doctor I ate Nigerian food and after I left that bubble I went completely into like a white world I went to like a white Baptist church i lived with white people i moved into like yeah like i i don't know if you've seen the movie the blind side yes um that was kind of like my life and so like the people who owned my high school like i actually moved in with them and so like they had me come live with them and i lived with them for like a couple of months and so it's like for and there was a lot of talk of like me becoming a member of their family and so like there was an overwhelming idea. I mean, and I never thought I was white by any means at all. But as far as seeing things from a perspective that white people saw, that was happening very rapidly. Oh. Um, and because I was so young, there was like no one is spelling it out for you. Yeah. Like, oh, you have like you know, like oh, you have to see this in this way, or you have to see that in that way.
0: You're not able to associate. Things from the black side of you know, you're not able to because you, you you start beginning to disassociate with the black side yeah. of yeah, subconsciously because you, you start being like, Why are black people angry? Why are black people you're like yeah. exactly? You, know, you, you start explaining to black people without even realizing it. Just, but It's
1: so oh. funny, it's like, I mean, like, right. there's so many things that happen you know, just like as parents raise kids, like, how you just say, Oh, we don't do that or oh, like, yep. don't say that, or like, you know, oh, no, 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 like, stop that, like, don't touch that, or like, you know, and so living for with people for like, six months, and having that moment, like multiple times a day of like, you know, oh, don't do that, or like, or like, like, oh, we don't do that, we don't say that, or like, we don't, you know, mm-hmm. or just like moments like that, and like, soaking all of that up, because I was like, you know, so eager, and I was so like, thankful, and you know, I loved the church we went to and I loved the, I loved everything. And I was going to summer camp and this and that. I just, you know, by the time I got to my college, from, from their house, I went to college. And yeah. so by the time I got to my college, like you said, I was white explaining things. I was like, you know, Oh, slavery. Blah, blah, blah. And people were like, Oh my God, I am going to knock your head off your body. And I was just like, guys, you have to forgive me. I the just have to had, to be,
0: had to be done for you.
1: Yeah, and I'm super lucky that I had that because even to this day, the way that I talk, a lot of people like call that out.
0: You mm-hmm. know, like
1: a lot. Yeah, you know, a lot of people the, the call people out the way that I talk. And they
0: say you don't, you don't talk like, you know, other Nigerians. Like, but one thing is that being black, we, we all, we all have code switching. We all do coach, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's true that we have yeah. to survive. So people don't realize that. But one thing about the messaging that I was glad that you brought up, which was, which made me happy, is that it, it, it's, um, I, I think people mistake mistake it that we only get the messaging here. It's it sometimes also tied back to our upbringing in Nigeria. You know, we don't question where the messaging comes from, where we mm. have blackness. If you think all the way back growing up in Nigeria what did you, what was your impression of black america mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when when you so what the first what was the first image that you saw on tv black america you know mm-hmm. um, as a kid tarzan was like my one of my my favorite shows then the old tarzan tv show that's why I don't even mess with the, the current Tarzan movie. I can't tolerate it. It's a, it's a, when you talk about cinematog- uh, cinematography and all that, yeah, it looks good. But I'm like, what's the me- exact messaging about the white guy fell in the jungle? The, the animals is going to train a black baby or anything. But they went and raised Why? Why, why, uh, why did you look at We And it's colonialism right there. And that's what it's telling you. And it's superiority. Right. In your face. And we loved it. We made it up and the black was inferior. And that's what they told you. And we it yeah. up but the messaging. Nobody questioned where it came from. Who yeah. it, And then, Brazil's um, book that I'm reading right now is, um, I'm a big soccer fan and it's about soccer. And it's talked about how the English Premier League with cable, has taken over the whole of Africa that even heads of states are all big fans of it. And they don't even invest money in Africa anymore. But the messaging, mm. where's it coming from? Back mm. in the nineties, there was investment in Africa for soccer. Every African country is soccer crazy. As soon as cable came into most countries, nobody is spending money, nobody's creating jobs for the youth. Mm. And with the premiership in these countries, what's big? Gambling. Mm. gambling addiction now in the youth. But nobody talks about that. If you bring that question up, they say, Oh, because I don't like uh the British <laughs> Empire and all that, that's the way. I mean, have that conversation <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk another day we'll have to move on to, okay. <laughs> but okay. that's why i said the me- it's good that you you caught on to the messaging because that's the f- where it begins with when you start to ask where's the messaging coming from who's bringing the messaging the same right who question who's um, made the racist comments about obama and the towels on the 700 club guy you know, do, do you remember on Nigerian TV he was always on? I don't know if you, if by the oh, time. Oh, ah, you, you,
1: that guy, I know him. He
0: was always on Nigerian TV every day.
1: Uh-huh. I know him.
0: Yeah, and so I he has him. huge followers in Nigeria.
1: Uh-huh. and
0: He was always making racist comments about Obama. <laughs> well, I grew up as a kid looking at
1: watching up to that, that man. Uh-huh. Every
0: day, but pointing uh-huh. out that this guy is always saying racist things about black people in america they're
1: they not 50 like, they're not 50
0: in nigeria I call, you know,
1: I saying something exactly and over exactly here,
0: so it's like two different worlds people can't relate exactly
1: exactly but the exactly. message exactly. a
0: different message over there and you know so that's how they keep hitting and then the people from there will come here and be like ah no you black people you don't want to listen you don't want to <laughs> <laughs> they, they it's true.
1: They
0: know the person it's who. It's true. So why would it's they listen true. To the and then it's true. That's how the divide starts coming between African immigrants and
1: and then black. Yes. Yes.
0: But unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have time to dive into that, so um, mm. we have to move forward. <laughs> okay. So, um, you went to college. uh so you started at Valdosta. And what, yes. so what made you switch to Texas because you, you, you ended up graduating in Texas, right?
1: I did. I did. Um, my mom moved to Texas for a job and I had left Valdosta already. I took a gap year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to go to Texas to be with her. And so I applied to a couple of schools out here to Baylor or well, not out here. I'm in Los Angeles now, but out there. And Sorry, I applied to Baylor and a couple other schools, and then I ended up going to the University of Texas at Dallas. Yes.
0: Oh, Dallas.
1: Yeah. It's a really good school. It's a school that I just felt really safe at, and just really... It's actually a school that I ended up choosing last minute. Um, Yeah, because my whole idea was that I was going to go to Baylor, and I was going to be a lawyer, and I was going to do this whole thing. But then, very last minute, um, I ended up going to UTD, and I really, really, I'm glad I did. It's a wonderful school. So, w- you you first
0: had l- being a lawyer in mind. Was it were you being directed to go
1: that route, or w- 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 why lawyer? Yeah, well, I mean, yes, because <laughs> I feel like a lot of like kids of African, well, kids of immigrants in general, and this is something that I really loved about going to UTD is that there's so many, the immigrant population at that school is huge. It's huge. There's so many, like, well, I guess the second generation uh-huh. um, population at that school is huge. And so the kids of immigrants at that school from India and places in Asia and Africa and just like places in Europe, is so huge. And so I've met so many people at that school and had so many conversations of kids who were like, I'm doing something that like my parents just want me to do because like, they felt like, you know, they felt pressured mm. into, oh yeah. I ended up actually one of my, because I was a sociology major Um and in the master's program, which at some point I will finish because I have three more classes and I feel like I just want to finish it. And so I had the option to do either a thesis or a non-thesis track. Yes. And at some, at some point I was thinking that for my thesis track, if I went that route, I was actually going to just conduct um, field research into like this topic of immigrants and their children and why a lot of immigrant children, you know, like feel the pressure, to do like things that they don't want to do and sort of the comorbort like comorbidity like that can have with things like depression and stuff like that um and so and i ended up conducting a few interviews and it was it was really it was really insightful to to have that happen and i spoke with a lot of people who yeah like they just felt super pressured. So I can can definitely speak to the fact that it's not just Nigerians. It's not just Africans. Um, It's like Hispanic people, Indian people, Asian people. And I think that's one of the reasons I knew for me that I had to. And I'd always known that in a way. It's why I took my gap year before even going to that school. but I think somewhere deep down, that just sowed a seed for me to to like do what I wanted to do with my life, as opposed to like just, you know, doing what my mom wanted me to do. You know, no matter how much I loved her, as much as she as much as she sacrificed for me, I was just seeing the effects that it was having on like other kids' lives. You know. And so it was very important because I'd seen it firsthand. I'd seen it firsthand in my life, and to see it happen in other kids' lives, I didn't want that to be me.
0: Yeah, um, like um, if, if a guest on the podcast had brought up earlier, uh, Israel, she had mentioned she she's of uh, she's she from Sweden of Iraqi background, and she had pointed out that a lot of parents, it's a survival thing, and they just go yeah. with. Um, you know, we think this is the best path for you to not, you know, end up, uh, to not struggle in life, which is understandable. But at the same time, it's still not considering your child's mm-hmm. interest, you know, because everybody at the end of the day still has a passion. And to show how something like that, you know, I thought I'd broken out of that mentality when I finally decided, when, when I finally ended up going to college. Um, which I did after my, my years in the military But The subconscious It it, it, it stays with you It can stay with you if, And if you don't wire yourself completely It's in the back of your mind So I'd always wanted to go for Communications I don't know why But uh, guess what I'm doing podcasting <laughs> <amongst Yeah. them>. <laughs> 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 But uh, I'd always wanted to study communications um, or mass communications as it was called in Nigeria and then time for me to go to college here yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, but you know, do you make money? Do they get money? That's like, that's how it, that, was, that was popped in my back of my head. Anytime I was trying to pick. Uh-huh. Then, guess what I picked? Business administration. Wow. That's then why did I pick it? I can't explain why I picked it, but I just picked that. It's was like, okay, well, you know, I would, probably be out they accept my military background uh, years of experience and i'll be out of college bang 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 and i just then that was it and i got a degree that i, <laughs> I don't even like
1: wow
0: <laughs> and now i can admit, yeah i can admit it then i thought my, my mom didn't have a say in me, my picking that degree but the truth is that you know it is it, that thinking of you know it, it's my mom when my mom heard i was studying for business administration she said, oh yeah she didn't she didn't say oh you should have studied for this or that it, it fell into that category of yes yeah, this is acceptable you know uh-huh uh, it's not like yeah so she wasn't worried she didn't have to try to convince me about anything so but at the end of the day i was why did i go for that degree i can't tell you why mm-hmm. <laughs> i
2: mean
0: I, I don't i don't regret like I, I studied. i met good people i met great people i learned some stuff but. It's, I don't have a passion for that degree. It's not something that I had a passion for. I, I still wish I went for my communications, you know, I still wish I did that. And so I do I tell, you know, i my nephew when he was asking me, uh, t- asking me about degrees and all that stuff. And I just say, what, what's your interest? What's the, the thing that you love doing? What's that dream that you've had? Just go for it, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't be like me. That right. Way. After a year, I'm like, why do I have this degree? <laughs>
1: but you're still going for your, like, dream. Like, you're still doing it. So, hey.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm still pushing other projects on the side, but, uh, you know, and careers. But, you know, but I, I, I just had to mention that because in a way, when you start hearing people, because a lot of people in communities talk about the... Oh, this is the fastest part. This part, you know, this you guarantee jobs here. Yeah, this one is guaranteed.
1: Exactly. Guaranteed. Exactly. Guaranteed. Guaranteed.
0: that word guaranteed. You keep hearing it, and then it starts subconsciously staying with you, staying with you, and then you're like, okay, I want to do this. And then, but who will hire you? Who is this? Who and will it's
1: that? not even true. It's not even yeah. true, Seth. Guaranteed, on, guarantee, guarantee, guarantee.
0: New York, oh, I studied English, but I'm I have this great job and I love it, and I love this great career.
1: Exactly. I could have been. <laughs> I could have. Exactly. Him,
0: but the one who is following and is miserable, and I've known my friend who went without parts. He's of Indian background. He,
1: exactly. He, he's,
0: his job. He has a great job, great pay, but he's always complains. Every time I, so I, I have to stop texting him because <laughs> I, could, I could, be like, I'm <laughs> get your paycheck, though. Can I get your paycheck? <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. So uh, was it, so now you you decided to go with your part and so now you've had the awakening into blackness and then you've now decided to go with your part. So was this also part of the beginning of accepting who you were as a woman and deciding to go into... Music and accepting yourself as in, you know, you accept that you had a gift for music. Did all that start um, lining up, or how did how did all that start coming into being?
1: Wow, you know what? All that started to happen, kind of at the not at the same time, but in the in the same in the same like I guess season, because I moved to California for the first time in 2012. And so after I had gone to UTD, I'd seen everything that was going on. This was in 2012. After one year, I left. And so I left and I went to California. Um, And I lived in California for a year. But then it wasn't quite what I expected it to be. And that's a whole long story that we can get into like another time. And it just, the whole thing, but. Um, what part of
0: California, California is it where you are right now?
1: Or? Yeah. Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just, and honestly, it was, it was just, I, you know, I basically, and this actually, you know, I want to tell you this because This is something that a lot of people, this stopped a lot of people. And this has stopped a lot of people that I knew who were my friends at UTD, where it's like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Honestly, as I got older, it stopped me. And I think because I was really young at that time, it didn't stop me, but not just because I was young. I had a lot of faith because when I moved to California that first time, I had no money. I moved here with $0. It's that story that you hear of people moving here with no money. I did that. I did that. And so it's like I, I bought only the bus ticket that I had. I was on the Greyhound for three days and I had like, you know, a script at that time. And I came here um, because when I first moved to America, I knew that I was, oh, I'm like, I'm going to win American Idol. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then I had, you know, someone in my family, she told me, she said, you know, you can sing, but you're not a singer. And so it was a very sort of like underhanded way to just sort of like, I don't know. It just killed my spirit or my dream or something. Um, And from that day, I just stopped believing in myself as a singer, but I was like, Oh, I still want to do something creative. So maybe I'll do fashion. Maybe I'll do, you know, so for example, in New York over there, you guys have the Parsons school of design. Um, I got into Parsons twice. I just never went like my mom never let me. Um, And so a a lot of things happened, just so many things happened, but with California, I was just so determined. I was like, you know, I was writing at that point. So I was like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to find my thing and I'm going to figure it out. And I just came here with zero dollars, but you know, God helped me out along the way and I I was fine. I was never like, I mean, people could look at it and say, oh, I, cause I lived in a shelter or this or whatever. I never thought that I was homeless at all because I was super comfortable the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I was fine. Um, but then I ended up going back to school in 2013. Um, and I had the opportunity through the programs that I was in in, like, the shelter program. um, And it was through the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center, actually. And actually, this ties perfectly into the story. And so when I was in the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center that year of coming to California, that was the first time I'd ever in my whole life met a transgender person. I had never, ever before that met a transgender person. I met gay people before, but I don't know that I had, like, befriended. Actually, no, that's not true. I befriended gay people, but it was just, it was the first time I think I had opened up myself to like, just accepting, like, I just, it, was, it was weird. It was weird. But I prayed. But this is another thing too. Um, there was just so much conflict from a spiritual perspective and a Christian perspective of like, LGBT and God and all of this. And I was so young and there was just so much conflict. And so the fact that, like, I came to Los Angeles with zero dollars and the place that God used to help me and sustain me for a year was a place called the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center. Like, no one could take that away from me. You know, like, no one could take that away from me because, like, you did not, not you, but like, they didn't help me. You know, and so someone was looking at me and telling me, like, God hates, you know, this, God hates that, God hates this. When I was here and there was a possibility for my head to hit the concrete for me to sleep at night, a place called the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center helped me. Gay and lesbian and transgender people Mm -hmm. helped me. Like, they helped me. Like, gay, lesbian and transgender Christian people, Black people white people, Hispanic people, whatever people, Muslim people, Buddhist people, like they helped me. And so that was the first time that I really expanded, like as a person, it opened my heart up. And like, I think I really started to accept myself as like something other than like, like that's that, that, that something that like someone that God could love, yes. you know, Like that was just the first time. Cause I'm like, Moving here could have really been a mess. Hmm. It could have really been a mess. I could have been like, I could have died. I could have been killed. Like anything could have happened, you know. Like it could have been a mess, but like I was like saved, and you know, he just really helped me. And and yeah, and so I went back to, to Texas. Went back to school, and when I went back to school. I remember sitting outside once, um, and this whole time, the whole time I'd been writing songs, because um, even the script that I brought out here was a script about um, two people trying to make a band together. They were trying to start a band together, and, you know, they, like, I wrote I wrote songs for it, and I wrote, like, things for it, and, and so even when I wasn't doing music, I was always trying to find ways to sneak music into my life. I was always like writing songs or just sneaking music into ways in my life. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not good enough to sing the music, then I'll just write the music for other people or I'll write something where, you know, like they can sing the songs or I'll write a story and I'll write like a musical or something like that. And so when I got back from LA I went to school, I was working on more songs and I was singing one of them outside and I hit a random note In retrospect, it probably sounded horrible, but I hit that note and it just made me feel, I just thought to myself, am I a good singer? Like it just was like, yeah, it was the first thing that I just thought I was like, am I a good singer? And that was the first time that I really kind of just thought to myself, like, can I, like, can I, and I think it was very important for me to think that. I think it was very, very important for me to think that. Um, and I just asked myself that like, am I a good singer? And I just decided that day, you know, um, I just decided, I said, you know what, this is the day that I'm going to decide that I can sing, um, or that I'm going to learn how to, cause I want to, um, And so after that day, I, every day, I just, I put everything into it. Um, Where I lived in my dorms, there was a stairwell that had great acoustics. And so all the time I would go underneath that stairwell and I would just sing. I would sing there for hours just about every day. Um, I thought I was like, oh, one day when I have an EP, I'm gonna name it the stairwell sessions because okay. like that's where I, am like that's where I learned to develop my voice, and so it's like I would just sing there all the time, and I would write and write and write and write, and I have like hundreds and hundreds of just recordings on like different phones. Wow. I've like maxed out different phones of just like you know over the years of just from 2013. Like, now to 20 and so we're looking at a six to seven year period of just me like developing as a vocalist and it's not you know it's been that consistent of a stretch of time you know Mm. over time yeah so it's been that consistent of a stretch of time over time and my belief in myself has grown it hasn't been linear at all yeah but it has definitely lasted from then till now. Um, in that amount of time, I haven't been in the studio yet, because in that amount of time, like, I began my transition. Well, I'll tell you about my transition as well. Um, so in 2014, I, I, I was growing as a singer. And then in 20, yeah 2015, that was sort of the year, um, I, think, yeah, tw- I think 2015 was when the um, Marriage Equality Act was passed. It might have been 2015 or 14, I think it's 14. 14. Um, yeah, 14. And so after that was passed, yeah, after that was passed, um, everybody was sort of like, oh my God, you can get married now, you can get married now. And all my friends were so happy for me. And I just remember vividly thinking, Oh, I can't. Like, I can't. Because to me, I couldn't get married to a man as a man.
2: Mm.
1: Like, it just didn't make sense to me. And I didn't understand why. And so I think the passing of the Marriage Equality Act really kind of, like, started my transition. Because I was so happy for everybody else. And I didn't understand why. Because I was like, I should be happy for myself. Yeah, I, I can get married in my country now. But I was so happy for everybody else. And I was like, I don't get it, you know? Um, I was like, it's not the type of ring I want to wear. I don't want to wear a suit at my wedding. I don't want this at my wedding. I don't want to marry a man, but I want to marry a man. I was like, I just, you know... It was so confusing to me. Um, there was just so many things I didn't understand. And I would always try to like rationalize it. I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll wear a caftan at my wedding. And it's like, okay, fine. Right. I was like, oh, maybe I'll wear a caftan. I'm like, well, you know, who knows? I'll get married in like 20 whatever. And like people are going to be more liberal. And so like I can wear a caftan and something cute. Because I'm like, I wasn't the type of person who was like, wore dresses or whatever. And so not to say that there was wrong with that, but I just didn't like cross dress. Um, and so I was like, maybe I'll wear a in, And I was like, but I'm like, that's not even me. I had a very clear understanding, at least of who I was. Maybe not a deep understanding, but a clear understanding. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, maybe not. I need to write that down somewhere to remind myself that maybe I didn't have a deep understanding of who I was, but I had a clear understanding of who I was. Um, I was like, yeah, I know, I know who I am. Um, it might not be too deep, but I'm pretty sure I might know, know who I am. Um, and so I just figured, I'm like, I'm not going to get married. I'm just going to adopt some children and that's going to be it. If they'll let me adopt them, I'll adopt them. Um, and then I started learning on YouTube about what it meant to be transgender. And then the light bulb went off. And I said, that's it. I said, I'm that. And I remember I had, um, right before I moved to California anyway, and it's funny because I had met people who were trans, yeah,
0: but it still you didn't You met them in, it, in LA, right? That was your yeah, first Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. But it still didn't click for me because I thought what trans meant, the first time I'd ever seen or heard trans was actually on America's Next Top Model. There was a model who was trans. Her name is Isis King. Um, and that actually set because visibility is so important. And this is one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons I think visibility of all kinds, Raphael, I think visibility of all kinds. And this actually leads me to the show that we're going to talk about, hopefully. Um, I think visibility of all kinds is important because the first time I saw her was an America's next top model. And that was the first time I ever saw a transgender person. And as wonderful as that was, it led me to think that being trans was only for people like that. Mm. And so, yeah. And so I thought that, for example, you had to like be, you've seen what I look like. And so I thought you had to be like super skinny and like have super feminine or fine aesthetics. And you had to have like the softest skin and the smallest features and, a small nose and be waif-like and you know have tiny fingers and everything like you had to basically be almost a girl and then they were just going to give you like a tiny pill and it would be like poof, you're like there now and so like that's what i thought because she was basically like you know but she's like she wasn't, she wasn't a show but models and so she was like it was, basically it
0: was, it was back to the messaging again
1: Yes, exactly. And so she was on a show about models and, you know, they were like, oh, you know, I'm a transgender woman, but I was like, she's so gorgeous and she's so skinny and she's so pretty. And then when I went to LA, of all the places to first meet transgender people, my God, Los Angeles, like everybody that I was meeting was like a swimsuit, like ready person and a swimsuit, like, you know. I remember meeting this girl named Dominique and she was just every single day was a runaway walk and it was perfect. And it was just, you know, she was ready. Um, and so I think it's so important to see people who look like normal representations and what is normal even, but who look kind of like who represent like a full spectrum of what it, it's like to, to, to live and, and to be present out here. And so I think what that looks like is for me, part of why I want to be on this show making the band is like in the music industry, as far as a black, transgender, dark skinned, you know, fat or plus size woman, there's nothing like that in pop music or R and B or rock or anything. There's nothing. There's a white, skinny, transgender girl in pop. Her name is Kim Petras, and she's lovely and gorgeous and has a beautiful, beautiful voice. But as far as like someone like me, and I do think that, well, I don't want to say I do think, like, I don't want a situation. How do I phrase this? It would be, I would be remiss if I didn't do the best I could to maximize this opportunity so that a girl like me could see herself represented in that space as well. I'll say that. I would be remiss if if I didn't do that. Because if the only girl who's represented next is just, like, a tan version of Kim Petras, that would be disappointing, Mm. you know?
2: And so it's like,
1: you know what I mean? I get it. And so we have now Kim, who's... She's trans, and then she's white, she's skinny, and so she's basically just a white girl but trans, and so then she gets to, like, be this, you know... Symbol,
0: it's It's not, but it's still almost the same kind of picture we've still been getting exactly. Doesn't portray representation like
1: no, uh, no. And so, if you're whether you're watching America's Next Tech Model or you're meeting Dominique in Los Angeles or you're listening to Kim's music, you're thinking, like, you know, oh, like that's what a trans person is, and so I can't be trans because for me. Not until I met Dominique in 2013, I believe. And not until two years later in 2015 did I think like I could be trans because I was like, no, I'm not skinny. My features aren't small. My skin isn't as soft as she is. Like, I, like there were so many, I was like, I'm I'm not anything close to that. And they were like, I hope, you know, it takes a process to get there. And a lot of people get you know, this done and that. And I was like, no, 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 no. You have to be this and you have to look like, and they were like, no. And then for me to go on YouTube and watch videos, there's, you know, categories of videos called timeline videos to see what people went from to what they became. I would watch videos of people going from, you know, like, Raphael looking like you to like, looking like Naomi Campbell. And I would just, I would be because I'd be like that's I'd be like oh my god and that's what gave me the confidence to like actually begin my process and so it's kind of like singing you know because all I needed was to hear that one note all I needed was to see that one photo of somebody who looked like me who became something else to be like can I do this too and I think that's Yeah, I think that's what's necessary is for some girl to like, you know, see somebody who like Lizzo, she's doing that now, you know, for a lot of people, but Lizzo isn't transgender. And I think that that's very important to have someone like me and I want to be that person to be in that space to say, hey, I'm doing this so that like, because like I'm doing this because you can do it too. Like the moment that I figured I could do this too, it became super important. Like other people know they can do this too. Like, you know, to and to just have kind of like a slightly darker version of what we already have, that would be so disappointing. Like let's have, let's have something that's, you know, like visibly different, you know, visibly representative of like, you know, like the hair that looks like yours, skin that looks like yours that feels like yours a voice that like has your tonality but not quite like yours because yours is different and we want yours here too as well you know and so that's kind of what my whole vibe is about
0: and is there there's nothing wrong with having that vibe out there I (laughs) say so um I have to ask um Two more questions i believe and
1: please please thank you for thank you for giving me the time and the space <laughs> everything
0: so uh, it it's, it's beautiful that you brought the visibility, and yeah, it's very important because I mean even for men we, we you know we, we all started with yeah uh, look at the superhero spectrum uh, right medium. right. Like you know, for how many years was all white, 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 and then oh, right? Wait, wait a minute. Is there all the white boys that can be superheroes or white men? Exactly. Can... Instead of clicking that, oh, there there could be black boys too. Could you? What if we're black? Because I remember when my nephew asked me one day, oh, I wanted he wanted to be a Superman or in Potako. I said, yeah, if you try to be a Superman, you you, you try to fly in Nigeria, you are gonna get electrocuted because of the electricity. <laughs> Why i was wrong because i could probably kill this dream of being a superhero but oh no reality but what did i know then i was pretty much young and stupid too so but that was the the mindset because there was no superhero existing in our space then but now we have nigerian comic publishers with nigerian comic book characters existing nice you know, unlike back when, you know, um, in the in the uh, my my, my um, big is like a big bro to me had comic books and his mom had him beat up by her church because she didn't understand why an older kid was still reading comics and hadn't had the church cast out the demons of comics from his body. Wow, That's a story, but I'll just bring it up again one day, you know, so no, wow. is important and so it, it, it cuts across so many fields and, you know, because we, we, we were so limited in just the fields and the, the dreams we could have, only sports, only doctor, only accountant, only, you know, uh, lawyer, only, you know, that's only as far as people could see. They couldn't see that you could exist in so many ways. You could aspire. You could dream to be, you could dream to be so many things,
1: but because
0: yeah. they were not used to seeing anyone who wasn't black in those fields or anyone who wasn't brown in that uniform or in that uh job then they say why do you want to be that person why should somebody be in that field but it takes someone representing in that category for others to dream to be there you know if they don't see a black astronaut why would kids want to be an astronaut exactly a brown astronaut why would brown kids want to be an astronaut so it's the same thing if we don't see a trans astronaut why will other kids dream of you know if it it, all these things matter and that's why representation cuts across all aspects so with that being said um i don't know if you've heard about this podcast afro queer podcast it's um, a podcast i haven't heard of it yeah i recommend it to you um, it, they, they touched about the, the Afro queer community in Africa.
1: Yeah, I only saw it in your like in the notes that you sent.
0: Yeah, that, uh, I started listening to it recently. I hope they'll bring their second season back. I hope I can get the 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 the, the, the hosts on this podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah, that would be great.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. And uh, so, I, are you familiar with the Afro queer community in Africa? Do you, you foresee any uh, hope for the community?
1: Um, but I'm only familiar with it as far as, like, the things that we need to change. Okay. Um, In places like Uganda, um, in places like, I know Jamaica is not part of Africa, but places like Jamaica, yeah, Uganda Africa. is, like, for sure, like, Africa. you know. Before we even start talking about Uganda and Jamaica, places like Nigeria, we need to change specific things as well because, you know, the fact that people can be jailed still, the fact that people can be publicly humiliated and beaten for being queer or gay. um, And sometimes, you know, in these places, I don't know, you know, because not all the listeners may be exposed to how they do certain things. You know, in these African countries or Nigeria, but you know, sometimes they'll put tyre around somebody, and you know what that means. Yes. You know. mm uh-huh. As That's As so, dead uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, and so it's like if that's what, if that's what you know, people are resorting to because a person is just trying to express themselves fully, then we have a lot of work to do. We have so, so much work to do. And if I can be part of that process in any way, um, I feel like before, I, I'm the kind of person who, when I was younger, I would always jump at the opportunity to say, well, oh, I want to do that. I want to be part of that process. I want to be part of the change. But now I'm very mindful to say, you know, Oh, I want to be part of the change and I want to do that because as much as I want to, and I do want to, I understand that it comes at great cost and great rest. Um, You know, because to go to Nigeria, for example, like, you know, if I became or whoever or whatever, and to go to Nigeria and say like, like we have to pass some sort of legislation that, you know, outlaws this kind of thing. You know, if you guys have any sort of respect for my music or what it is that I'm doing, like, you know like for example if i had the because as artists like we have a lot of clout sometimes and to say like oh a few people want me to come here and perform a show like there's some things that you guys are going to have to do Uh like one of the things that i was one of the things i realized as well is that if i had to go back home to nigeria if me me i have a nigerian passport though but if i had to go back home to nigeria i would have to get a visa because i changed my name yes can you imagine?
0: yeah
1: because Nigeria does not have the process like america to like update everything and it's not because they don't have the process but because to them they will not even look at it as if it is like like what do you mean you know yeah. and like america changed my name you know my gender like i'm like everything and if I was born here, they would even change the birth certificate. Everything, but birth certificate cannot change because it's from Nigeria, which is fine. You know, and people have their own opinions about certain things. But now for me to go back home to Nigeria, I have to collect visa. So I have to get visa on my American passport. And so when someone asks me like, you know, oh, are you a Nigerian? I'm like, no, you going to ask a Nigerian from a Nigerian don 't ask me, ask them, ask them, do they want me to be Nigerian? Ask them if they will not even allow me to use my own passport passports from the place that I was born, if I cannot use that passport don 't ask me if I'm Nigerian i' ask my country huh. yeah, and so. Because sometimes it's like, oh, I'm just supposed to be this, you know, blind patriot. Yes. No. It's like, no, I'm not going to be a blind. I'm not going to be a blind patriot for Nigeria. And I'm not going to be a blind patriot for America. No. No. I'm going to be a responsible citizen for either place.
0: Yep.
1: And so if it means that, okay, fine. If I have, you know, a great artistic platform that says I can go to Nigeria and perform, a, you know, a show and something. They will let me come inside and stuff. Because even places like Dubai, Dubai, if you're like transgender and stuff like that, they will not let you enter inside. There's videos on on YouTube of people that they're denying them entry into like, Dubai or they're detaining them there at like the airport. They're detaining them there.
0: I wasn't aware of
1: that. Ah, uh, it. Maybe I'll email you one. I'll email you. Okay. When we when we finish, I'll email you a video. All right. And when I get real passionate, like, my accent starts coming out.
2: It's okay. it's okay. I'm
1: telling you, when I get real passionate and I'm comfortable with the person, it starts coming out. If I'm not, like, comfortable, I'll still just, like, you will not even know. But if I am, like, it will start coming out because it's, like, you know, like, places like Dubai. But it's, like, okay, you know, Dubai and all, like, like me, I can't fix everything. Like, a oh. place where I, where I can fix something. Okay, then I will try to do that once. But I remember the day it hit me, I was like, Oh my god, if I want to go home self, I can't even go, I have to look for a visa to mm-hmm. go back home. Because one day I was like, Well, I'm tired though. Let me go and back together and start going home. And it hit me, I was like, I can't even go. Okay. I can't go. And I was like, Wow, I have to look for visa and the visa self can be denied. Because they will say, you know, they can't know. They can't because they will say, okay, who who, who are you? Where are you coming from? And so I can't
0: even... A large amount of dollars, you know, that's where
1: Exactly. I can't even apply for visa as like a former Nigerian citizen. I have to apply for visa as if they don't know me before.
0: Yeah.
1: Are you imagining? But, you know, that's the kind of thing where it's like, we have to, if I ever get a chance to go there like, and do something, I'll even start with this one. I'll just start with at least, let's, let's, no, let's just allow people to be safe, please. Yes. Don't put, don't put people inside prison for, you know, smith me. And that's nonsense to the, non, to the listeners we don't know. Like, just don't put people in prison for nonsense.
0: Well, I, I'll say this though, uh, I know I'm, I'm not in Nigeria, and I'm not in Africa, but my contribution is to continue to let people know, like I've been...
1: And that's uh, huge, that that's huge, information is, is everything.
0: It, yes, I've not, I've met gay people, I was once transphobic, I was once, uh, well I was more homophobic than transphobic, by the time I, became, I started meeting, trans people, I was already out of the homophobic phase. Yeah. Uh, but you know how we were raised? Especially if you were yeah. raised, judged, like, you know, you yeah, made, you know, Homosexual homosexually straight to gay for, uh, hellfire. You know, straight to exactly. hellfire.
1: Exactly.
0: It's, it's one way ticket. It's the, the, the straight. There's no... <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> then I find out that, yeah. that uh, somebody in the family that's that's gay, and then, then uh, the, the, the prayer starts changing, that person, Jesus will save that person, but the rest, straight <laughs> to hell, <they're back. laughs> am, am I saving one, and then I can't, you can save one person, and then the rest are all straight to hell fire, what about everybody, well, you know, can we just everybody, and then uh, there were two ladies who were expelled from, uh, I think Oweri University, Futo, wow. they were caught making out, and that was the only crime, they were caught making out and they got expelled. And I was arguing with my friend who had a reputation for dating married men, you know, and when their wives would come look for her, she would take off, (laughs) who would cover for her. And she was like, oh, they they, they should have locked them up. And all these sinners and this, I was like, girl, we we are the ones that cover for you. Anytime married women come here looking for you and you take off. So aren't you a sinner too? You know, I don't see what, what crime those ladies committed. They weren't. They were were above the age of 18. So the adults, well, who did they sin against? And she was like, how dare you? How dare you defend them? You must be gay. I said, I I don't understand. How am I gay? Just because I said two adults were making out. If two, if you, if yourself and a man were were making out in a car on a university ground, the university you attend and they find you making out and then they expel you, does that mean you committed a, a crime against the university? Should they expel you? And that's how we stopped being friends because of the argument, you know, and um Yeah, and stuff like that. They just, and, and I, I was still homophobic because there was still stuff that I, would have, I still went against, but just stuff like that. But back then, we, we just, uh, the, awake, the wiring just started, you know, unwiring little by little. And by the time I would meet a gay person, you know, I will walk with a gay person, it just... Didn't make sense for me to say, oh, I'm, I can't tolerate you anymore. It just, I couldn't, I, it just didn't make sense to me anymore. I like, yeah, we, we can, I don't see you as, I see you as a human being. That's all I saw. If you Thank don't,
1: you.
0: if you don't do the job we're supposed to do, right, then I can't, I don't want you around me, but if you can do what yeah. you have to do, you are cool. And that's how, when people came like, oh, why is this guy here? I don't like him. Why don't you like him? Uh, there's something about him that what 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 is it? Well, there's something. What is it? There's something. What is the something? There's uh, and uh, the way he walks. What is what is your business with the way he walks? Can he do the job <laughs> or not? Uh, I don't know. Why, why why you not worried about the way he walks? Why are you looking at the way he walks? You say you're not gay, but you're looking at the way he walks. <laughs> man, what the hell are you talking about, man? Well, shut up. And You know, so stuff like that. But anyway, that's how. I just got out of it, and I was like, it didn't make sense to me. Why am I, if I'm not, you know, if I I don't, have to go start digging in, if I'm not in the closet, then why am I digging into all these avenues? Why am I going in there? If I'm, I have to live my life, I'm living my life. and That's how I started having gay friends, and by the time I made a trans woman, it didn't make, I took photos with her, it was her birthday, I didn't even know she was trans, and by the time someone was telling me, oh, that's a trans woman, I said, oh, nice to meet you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right.
0: I without, like 30 minutes earlier so it, uh, it wasn't like oh my goodness i took a photo with you oh God, I'll, I'll take the photo <laughs> some, people
1: are, some, some people are like that though some yeah, people
0: course, are like that I, 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 we still had to leave the party because some of my friends that came with me we were like yeah i to let them know like this is what was going on so yeah we were like yeah let's get out let's get out so you know But anyway, we'll spend a lot of time on this we have to do a part two After after you've been selected for meeting the band and you know you you start your tour Hopefully you come back on the podcast.
1: Oh, please. Of course. I would love that
0: so Last question. uh, Do you have a word of advice you'd like to leave the audience with something from either a quote from a song or a, A quote someone has given you or something um just anything that you just like to leave the audience with
1: oh wow okay wow 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 um word of advice something oh yes 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 okay this is something that i got from a therapist um and it's, it's something that i actually use in my life every Day every opportunity that I get, and it helps me. Um, and it's very simple. Make no meaning. Make no meaning. Make no meaning. Make no meaning. Um, and that applies in so many ways, because we walk through life and things happen, and we try to make meaning of it. You know, okay, this happened, in because this happened, this means this. Because that happened, this means that. Because da. And we try to spin everything into this big and that's not our job.
2: Hmm.
1: That's not our job. And so it's like when I started practicing that, this year is the first year I really started really practicing that. I've seen it happen in my life in so many ways because I remember this year I got this letter, this notice. And normally, if I get a notice like that, hey, it's finished. I would have just, I would, I would have been screaming like, oh my god, this means, this, this means that, like, immigration, this immigration, that immigration, that. And I just said to myself, make no meaning. And so I responded to the notice, and they just said, oh, and I went there. I was terrified. I was completely terrified. Everything, and I went there. And they said, "Oh, we're sorry. We just send that to everyone every year. Sorry."
0: Oh, make finished. Yeah.
1: End of story. Like End that. of story. I like that. And because sometimes, you know, we see something on the road is a sign. Mm-hmm. We see another thing is another sign, especially you know superstitious Africans.
2: Oh yeah. You know.
1: Hey, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> if you touch money from the ground, you will turn to a cow. Yeah. or you will talk to yam or this one <laughs> and so and then when they cut the yam, blood will come out and so it's just, it is just all these things that like we've learned since we were little we've just learned like even if we don't believe those things anymore we've learned to make a meaning of everything and so everything has a meaning you yeah. know the tv didn't on the first time god doesn't want you to watch tv what if the tv did not on <laughs> You know, ah, and so it's just like just make no meaning, just yeah. make no meaning,
0: make no meaning. I like, yeah, that. I like that. All right, to to finally wrap it up, um, do you have any plugins that you like to leave the audience with? Um, anywhere they can find you or follow you?
1: Yes, my Instagram handle is at so, mary, and that's o h. S-O and Merry, like Merry Christmas. Uh, that's really, that's my best bet. And if you go there and see my singing videos, if you would please, please, please tag the TV show Making the Band or Diddy. Everyone knows him. That's like P. Diddy. Um, and so just tag Diddy and tag Making the Band under my songs um, for the videos of me singing. And that's just O H S O merry like merry christmas
0: okay all right i can't thank you enough joy for coming on the podcast it's been a pleasure
1: thank you for having me this was fantastic
0: oh the the, the, the honor and joy is all mine well your name again <laughs> well so it's so it's always fun to say joy so
1: <laughs> oh
0: <yay. laughs> uh, And and shout out to kevin for Uh, oh
1: right 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 shout out to kevin and to lake lake is his um partner so shout out to her as well
0: yes i met her once while in texas so she
1: was my teacher at utd actually
0: oh that's nice
1: yeah kevin was one of
0: down in texas too i was at straight yeah yeah we've been good friends
1: yeah
0: yeah all right so thank you everyone for joining us and Thank you for the privilege of your company. See you at the next episode. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoy the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at whitelabelamerican. Thank you for your support.